I'm Christy Gupton, and I'm an Employee Benefits Advisor. Welcome to Healthcare Solutions, a podcast where we explore innovations in healthcare, cost containment strategies, and employee well-being. We'll discuss every way possible to turn our healthcare system back into the kind of environment where patient care comes first and costs go down as a result. I invite you to join me to hashtag Let's Fix Healthcare. Well, 2020 was quite a year, wasn't it? Healthcare Solutions Podcast went noticeably silent last year. We didn't record a single podcast. But 2021 is here, and we're back in the podcast business. So welcome to Season 2 of Healthcare Solutions. We'll hear a couple of sequels from guests like Carl Schusler and Vinay Patel, and we'll have new guests like Dr. Keith Smith and Dr. Kristen Dickerson. We'll even hear from award-winning investigative journalist Marshall Allen, who will inspire you to never pay the first bill. So thank you for rejoining our audience, and remember, together, we can hashtag Let's Fix Healthcare. I'm not lying when I say Dr. Keith Smith changed my life. Years ago, I heard him on another podcast, and it opened my eyes to my own role in the status quo. He gave me the kick in the pants that I needed to change my practice and provide solutions to my clients that would actually work. In today's episode, Dr. Keith Smith and I have a great discussion about how free market solutions are coming to your state and community. His leadership in co-founding the Surgery Center of Oklahoma and the Free Market Medical Association is being copied across the country, and he takes that as a huge compliment. As the saying goes, the highest form of flattery is imitation. I believe Dr. Keith Smith is counting on you to copy him, and that's the best way to see this movement grow. Sit back and enjoy this discussion with Dr. Keith Smith of Surgery Center of Oklahoma. On last week's episode. But, um, you know, there's a lot of political pressure on the North Carolina state plan um, and on uh, all the all the state employee plans. Um, they're they're meant to serve, as I told someone the other day, as um, ATM machines for the hospitals who who pay legislators a lot of a lot of money. Uh, so there's that's a real weird um, those those really are not uh, self-funded plans that are void of any leverage or pressure. Those are very political, very strange relationships. I agree. It's, it's frustrating to be on the outside looking in, knowing what we know about the truth of healthcare costs and seeing people just be derelict in their fiduciary duties. You just have to have boundaries and decide that you're not going to work with disingenuous, dishonest, uh, crazy people, really. And just as in our personal lives, I mean, we have to have boundaries uh, with with some people and harder boundaries with some than others. Uh, and I've, I've decided early in my career, I was going to have boundaries. And if I was working with someone um, that did not embrace the concept of mutually beneficial exchange, then I was going to stop working with them. Uh, that a a leveraged arrangement is uh, is a recipe for a shortened life, uh, and life's too short already. 
So it, it's just better to not to fight. I think most of these uh, organizations and people, but just to walk away from them. Um, and, and that's probably a healthier, healthier way to, uh, to manage, manage our course. And now for more with Dr. Keith Smith of Surgery Center of Oklahoma. Agreed. Agreed. You know, um, I think because of your, you know, fierce independence and stick to to your fundamentals uh, and how that led to your success, you have inspired um, quite an, you know, quite an increasing trend of independent ambulatory surgery centers um, that are not, you know, owned by private equity or um, investors of any kind and certainly not owned by a health system. And, uh, you know, I, I got contacted recently by uh, a company that is, um, you know, going to build a surgery center uh, in Asheville, North Carolina, which is a, a city that I serve. And um, to their credit, they decided to build it in um, West Asheville, right across the street from a regional airport. <laughs> so uh, what an excellent idea, you know, location, 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 right? That's an excellent location to have a freestanding, independent, clean, healthy operated ambulatory surgical center. So that got me thinking, what is it like? Now, I, I, since I was inspired by your story, I haven't needed a surgery, thank goodness. So I don't have any personal experience, but if I needed a surgery and I decided I was gonna come down there and get myself there you know, on a plane, what would my experience be like? Walk me through that for people who don't know. Well, I'll, I'll start by my answer by saying that 60% um, of the patients uh, we perform procedures on now uh, are not from Oklahoma. Uh, when, we went, when I first launched the website in 2009 with our pricing, the first patients that arrived were Canadians. And that was, that was instructive. Um, you know, they, they all have coverage up there. They just don't have the care uh, that many of them require, no access to it whatsoever. And you can define no access. We, we think waiting two years in line to see a gynecologist for a hysterectomy for severe bleeding, you, that's no access. I mean, that, that, that's how we define it. But then we saw folks come from Alaska and Wisconsin uh, and, and a lot of folks from Alaska and Wisconsin. And it, and it was clear they were coming to see us because those areas of the country are so heavily cartelized and there's no competition whatsoever. And so the, the prices are very high as a result. Um, that's, that's not rocket science. If you don't have competition, then prices are higher. Um, and that's why hospitals like to consolidate their market uh, because then they they basically negotiate higher prices with anyone they deal well, with. They eliminate their competition. They do, and so prices go up. And so um, we we continue to see a lot of patients from out of state. So. Uh, the idea that uh, traveling for medical services is a novelty is yesterday's news. Uh, people travel to, to Oklahoma all the time. And 
also people use the pricing on our website to leverage a better deal in their hometown so they don't have to travel to Oklahoma. But at one point yesterday, uh, at the very end of our day, I realized in our pre-op area, uh, there was a patient from Ohio, there was one from Missouri, and there was one, who was, where was the other one? The other one's from Alaska. So we had Alaska, Ohio, and Missouri were our three last patients yesterday. So traveling for medical services is, is no longer a novelty. Uh, people continue to go out of the country to, to get some surgeries. But I, I think that that trend is changing as, as American facilities realize uh, the extent to which they're losing business. So you, um, you would um, reach out to us on our website and let's say, uh, you needed sinus surgery and you would uh, click on the request to specialist tab that would generate an email that would come directly to me. And I would look at where you were from and what the, my surgeon skill set and availability is on our end. I don't know. We have 16 ear, nose and throat surgeons, I think. And I would match you up with the one who I think would be best for the job. I would give them your contact information and then that surgeon would call you directly. And you'd have a conversation over the phone. If you had uh, any kind of diagnostic studies uh, that uh, were available, then the, the surgeon would look at those after you handed those off. And then you and the surgeon would create a plan. I, I stay out of the mix then because you really are his patient or her patient as far as I'm concerned at that point. And the way we have our uh, scheduling arranged at the Surgery Center of Oklahoma is every surgeon knows what day that they operate. And there are some exceptions. There's some flexibility. If a patient could only have surgery on a Monday, we can probably do that. But um, at that point, the surgeon could say with confidence that, you know, a week from Tuesday, we can get you in or, or does, is there another day that works better for you? And uh, typically you would fly out the day before the surgery, see the surgeon in their office, confirm that everything is exactly as represented. And then you would come to our facility the next day and receive your procedure uh, go to a hotel, and depending on the procedure, we may or may not have a home health nurse come visit you uh, once or twice a day. For uh, joint replacements, we do that routinely. Mm -hmm. um, and so you would stay whatever time was appropriate for that particular procedure. In the case of sinus surgery, it might be a day or two. Um, and then you would fly home, and you would be finished, and you would have, you would have paid ahead of time uh, when you showed up at the surgery center, and then you would be finished. So, that that's really what the what the process looks like. The surgeon would follow up with you by phone, or uh, if they needed to be in contact with your direct primary care doctor or your physical therapist, then they would have those conversations to coordinate your aftercare as well. Sounds like concierge treatment to me, Dr. <laughs> yeah, and I've not gone into the concierge business because there are people who do that, who are good at it. Um, and I, I feel like I know what 
what I know and what I'm good at. And that is not something I would be good at, I don't think. So we, if somebody needs a lot of handholding, there are concierge services out there that can arrange for transportation to and from the hotel, to and from the airport. Um, as a caveat, I would suggest patients that need a lot of handholding might not be good medical travel candidates. So part of the reason I think our uh, travel, uh, domestic medical tourism uh, experience has been so positive is that we've been selective. And if someone was really high maintenance and required a lot of handholding, it, it didn't take me very long to suggest to them that they work very hard to use my pricing to leverage a better deal locally. Uh, the other thing that that's happening now is my, my kind of sidekick company, Atlas Billing Company, is now uh, arranging single case agreements for patients who cannot travel for one reason or another. So I'll reach out to, to a surgery center in North Carolina or Washington State or somewhere else, get connected with the surgeon and say, hey, you know, here's patient with an umbilical hernia. I did this for a patient in Georgia just yesterday. Patient with an umbilical hernia, they do not want to travel for a variety of reasons. Will you will you give them a cash price? I'm already I'm already have a contract and arrangement with this patient's employer. So the employee employer would pay as if it were done at Surgery Center of Oklahoma but then Atlas Billing would pay that surgery center surgeon anesthesia and act as the guarantor so that they're insulated from any balance billing. So there are a lot of really exciting things happening in this medical travel sort of, sort of world. And, and the more activities like that that occur, the more members of the Free Market Medical Association pop up uh, because these people want to be part of this. Uh, and it, it's very exciting to see it grow. It is exciting. And, and just to go back to my uh, comment about the concierge thing, I meant that to just mean this sounds like being given special treatment, like being um, the, having the red carpet rolled out for you in comparison to the alternative, which is what most Americans are stuck with, which is a big PPO directory that was shoved at you during open enrollment and you're just expected to figure it all out. And right. so, and I've always told my clients at the end of the day, when an employee needs healthcare, they don't want a big directory that's this thick. Um, I mean, I realize all the directories are digital now, but think back to the days when they were printed. I mean, they were that thick. And employees don't want all those choices. What they really want is someone to walk them through the process and take care of them. And so that's what, to me, sounds like concierge um, treatment, you know, is just someone to say, you know what, I got this. You're with they, me, right? Patients are shocked when a surgeon calls them directly. Um, you know, many times, many times a patient in, you know, the normal, um, I use that word in quotes, medical world, they they might not even meet the physician who's going to operate on them prior to surgery. They might meet their PA or, or someone else, but they might not even meet the surgeon. So 
you know, when when patients are are skeptical of traveling to Oklahoma, which is most people, I think, that are out of state, when the surgeon actually calls them and has a conversation with them, is not in a rush to get off the phone, that um, that many times is all that that a patient needs to make the decision to to just go ahead and travel, drive or fly, or however they need to get here. Sure. You know, um, it's just it's just disheartening, and I, I know the future is bright once once people really let this information sort of get into their soul. <laughs> you know, I know the future is bright, and and we're excited about what's happening right now. It's just happening in smaller pockets of the country than than what could be happening. I'm interested uh, to hear if. You know, if you had um, the the ear of of medical schools uh, across the country, um, who've been entrusted with the future of medicine, right? These students that are under their care are really looking to their medical school to provide them guidance. Um, I'd love to know what your message would be to them to 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 stop the inevitable from happening, which is they graduate, they become an employed physician by a hospital system, and then they can't get out of it. I, I'd love to know how you could get to the original, you know, the origination of, uh, of, of that path and direct, direct those schools to how to advise their students to consider something different. Well, keep in mind, uh, there is an organization with boots on the ground that is doing that now. And anyone that's listening to this, if you if you have any disposable income at all, you should consider a, a donation to the Benjamin Rush Institute, whether it's $20 or $50. They are, they are boots on the ground trying to make sure that medical students are not just fouled uh, with the Kool-Aid so that they they know that there are options available to them other than the ones uh, that are typically presented in a, in a medical school environment. One of the problems is uh, almost without exception, the people teaching in medical schools are hospital employees. So they may or may not even know the difference. Um, I was fortunate to be trained in my residency by people that had been in private practice and, and just loved to teach. And so many of them had been knew the private practice world and had some just very sage advice. I don't think I would have received in a program that, that didn't have that sort of a, a mix. But the Benjamin Rush Institute um, is that is that organization that is telling medical students that the, you know, the patient is first. Uh, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons is also that organization that is reminding them that the patient is first. Um, and, and we all encourage medical students to never go to work for a hospital. Um, that is that's hard because the federal government has subsidized hospitals hiring of uh, physicians. So uh, it, it's difficult for a medical student with confidence to leave medical school and residency um, and not uh, saddle up to a hospital as their employer. 
Um, it's an ethical issue uh, that I point out to medical students every time I talk to them, that if you work for a hospital, eventually that situation will arise. It's unavoidable where you don't work for your patient and you have to choose. You have to do, am I going to do what my employer insists that I do, or am I going to do what is right for this patient? And if that sounds extreme, let's say this hospital employs uh, several general surgeons, none of whom are any good. Uh, that's, not, that's not a crazy situation. Uh, and you're in a position of referring your patient for a gallbladder surgery. And, and in the community, there is an independent uh, general surgeon who's wonderful. And you want to send to this independent general surgeon, but you know, uh, there will be real consequences for you by your employer if you refer outside of the family. That happens thousands of times a day. And no physician should ever be in the position of doing what they need to do to keep their job as a conflicting arrangement with what is the best thing for this patient in front of me. And they swore an oath, I, right? They swore an oath that they wouldn't do that. And, well, and they, they're changing the oath. Um, they're, uh, they're changing the oath. Some medical schools are not... Um, at the, at the graduation ceremonies, they no longer recite the oath or it's modified. Um, but uh, I, that's just a trouble sleeping at night sort of thing that, you know, when somebody goes in for a fairly routine surgery and has a horrible complication and in all likelihood, you know, you were in a position to help them avoid that and you didn't uh, because you, you valued your job. That, that's a horrible arrangement uh, and can only be avoided if um, if you if you shun uh, hospital employment. So I, I tell medical students that Benjamin Rush Institute, that's their message. Um, the AAPS, the Association of American or American Association of Physician Surgeons, that's a good message from them too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, Dr. Marty McCary's uh, started his book career on that very principle, right? Unaccountable was kind of all about what he saw as a resident that you've just described uh, in real life. It's not, it's not like it was some fairy tale in a book. It's, it's real life. The other thing he found in that book that I found so fascinating was you see a, you know, a world famous hospital or clinic uh, that has five stars and you think, wow, they are good at everything. Well, they probably aren't good at everything. They're probably really good at one or two things, and then they might be horrible at something else. And, and that's what he found at one particular place. They were uh, almost unmatched in their quality when it came to complicated cardiac surgery. But if when you came to having your hip replaced, that was the last place on earth you wanted to be. And you if you want to know which facility I'm talking about, that's in his book. Yeah. So um, ultimately, you know, Marty's a smart guy. He's a, he's, he's a scientist. He's basically a mathematician. But at the end of the book, he threw up his hands. And I give him so much credit for this because he said, if you really want to know if you're going to receive good care at a facility, then you do a survey of the staff who work there 
to ask them, would you have this particular surgery by this particular surgeon at this particular institution? And that that is how you really get to the bottom of it is ask the staff those specific questions. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great book. Oh yeah, love it. Loved the second one too, even more, mm -hmm. uh, the price we pay. Well, um, you know, there's just, there's still so much to learn. Uh, I uncover things every day that I feel like need to be told. And I wonder sometimes where the, where the listening ears are. So let's, let's change gears and talk a little bit about the free market medical association and the, the growing trend that you're seeing there. I mean, more and more people are saying, Oh, wait a minute. There's, there's an alternative to this status quo. Let me, you know, consume more about that. So after, you know, after I heard that Shift Shapers podcast um, in 2017, I, uh, I called our mutual buddy, uh, David Contorno, and I said, hey, do you want to start up a chapter here in the Carolinas? And then he called up uh, another mutual buddy, uh, Dr. Shane Purcell in Anderson, South Carolina, and we got it up and running. And um, through a series of events, it's gotten handed over to me. Um, and I, I, I have no chance of doing as good of a job as they would have, but I'm gonna give it a shot. But I think one of the messages that's really important for, especially for direct primary care doctors, you know, hopefully what is the, the first stopping point on an individual patient or even an employer who has embraced the concept of direct primary care, even though that's, that's fairly underground right now, but it should be the first stop. They should see um, and assess that situation first, and then they can go on to this shop health app uh, or the, that part of the FMMA website where they can look for high quality uh, proceduralists in, within a reasonable area Talk a little bit about how that functionality works in case people don't know. Yeah, so the Free Market Medical Association was uh, Jake Hempton's idea. Um, and he, he asked me what I thought about it. And we decided uh, together to, to launch the idea, an organization composed of willing buyers and willing sellers. Um, in addition to buyers and sellers, we, um, we thought it appropriate to include intermediaries um, between the buyers and sellers who facilitate, not interfere with, but facilitate that exchange between buyers and sellers. Um, that all sounds very simple. Uh, it sounds crazy that there's not an organization like that until we founded it. But it's completely unique, um, and it's because it's unique because the industry is so dysfunctional. Um, but these ideas are powerful. We've seen the organization grow. Um, Murray Rothbard, the great economist, uh, remarked on not just the the beauty of the free market, but its power. And, and it is it is impossible to make an argument against cheaper and better it's very difficult to make an argument against mutually beneficial exchange where both parties voluntarily uh, negotiate, do business with each other and both walk away feeling like 
they're better off than they were prior to that exchange. Mm -hmm. So we, we are standing on the shoulders of, of giants who have laid the groundwork, the groundwork basically for, and the foundation for all that we're doing. Um, but it is, it is an organization that continues to grow uh, in spite of the cesspool uh, that we all live in. And that's this medical industrial uh, complex. People ask me, you know, why are there not more surgery centers like yours? Why are why is the Free Market Medical Association not larger uh, with more members than it has? And I tell them I, I find it astonishing, uh, really, that the organization is as big as it is. And I think it's astonishing that there are as many facilities uh, like mine that are popping up all over the country, given the headwinds uh, that are out there. Um, our organization also is a reminder, uh, a constant reminder to everyone of who the true enemy of the free market is. And it's the government. It's the government at all levels. Uh, and so we bash big pharma. You know, we all bash the PPOs and the carriers and the evil brokerages and the price gouging hospitals. But it's important to remember that none of these arrangements are possible without Uncle Sam riding shotgun or driving the getaway car. Um, all, that, all that happens in the industry that we despise are gifts that have been auctioned off to the industry in Washington, D.C., and also at local levels of government. So I think as people become awakened and they realize that the whole idea of handing more control of our industry to the government is, is just like giving the teenager the, you know, a case of alcohol and the keys to the car. It's not a smart move. And I think that the free market medical association's growth um, is, it is a manifestation of people realizing and acknowledging what the real problems are. So um, it, it's, a, it's a great organization. I don't know how many state chapters we have now. I've lost track. Um, but it, it's, uh, in some states have multiple chapters. Um, we're, we're talking this coming week about what we plan to do for uh, our next annual meeting and how we're going to structure things going forward. Um, but it, it, it's a it's very exciting. I remain optimistic uh, because this cheaper and better is, that's a tough argument to, to take on. Yeah, I, I'm a little embarrassed that it took me as long as it did to um, throw my insurance ID card in the trash and sign up with a DPC doctor and a medical cost sharing. Uh, organization. I chose Sidera. I, I vetted a lot of those health shares. And for me, Sidera was the right fit. Uh, none of the others really seemed to have that much of a handle on direct primary care. Uh, they, they wanted to, you know, share uh, with the community uh, two visits from a primary care physician every six months or some kind of nonsense like that. And I, I just said, no, no. We're gonna go with Sidera um, because I, I can truly plug and play the DPC doctor that I have found closest to me that I really like. And 
if care has to exit that primary care relationship temporarily for some procedure or some ordeal that I have to deal with, then I feel very confident that the other members of the community will share my expenses with me. And I kicked the tires on that, Dr. Smith, for probably over a year longer than I should have. So even though now looking back, we, we started that arrangement July 1st of 2020. So just roughly six months ago. Uh, and we saved almost $700 a month uh, in the Gupton family, just in insurance premiums. And, and we were on my husband's employer's plan and they're a large employer, large self-funded employer, but they're self-funded with Blue Cross of North Carolina. So let's, you know, just put that in your pipe and smoke it, right? So uh, even as individuals, we could do it better and way cheaper than a big group plan could do it. And I've, I've commented on this a number of times, the encounters, the number of encounters that we've had with our direct primary care doctor have maybe quadrupled or quintupled over what we were accessing through an insurance ID card. Uh, and they've been more high quality encounters and with absolutely zero waiting. I mean, the other night, um, our next door neighbors called me up and said, hey, can, can your oldest who's 14, can he come over and watch our kids for a couple hours while we wrap up our work and get home? Sure, sure, that's fine. So I, I text my kid and he walks over there and I'm, I'm to pick him up at 8 p.m. This is a Tuesday night. Uh, and when I picked him up at 8 p.m., he was limping. <laughs> and I thought, oh no, what did these children do to you? <laughs> It turns out they were playing cops and robbers out in the front yard and my son stepped in a hole. And so not being a trained, you know, medical person of any sort, I had, I had, you know, a decision to make, right? I said, well, you know, we could take you to urgent care, but oh, let's call Dr. Kramer. And so I texted him first and basically just said, my son is limping. What's the best way to know if his ankle's broken or not? <laughs> 30 minutes, I mean, 30 seconds, excuse me, 30 seconds later, my phone is ringing. Dr. Kramer's calling us. And so I was dealing with the other child and I just plain old handed my phone to the 14 year old and said, here, you talk to Dr. Kramer. It's your ankle that hurts. You tell him how, what it's feeling like. So they had a five minute conversation, handed the phone back to me. And Dr. Kramer says, I'm texting you the link to an ankle brace I found on Amazon. If you order it tonight, it should be at your house tomorrow. And so <laughs> I think you and I both know that would never happen in any sort of fee-for-service arrangement inside a PPO network. You have to get away from the typical insurance status quo if you ever expect to be treated that well and that quickly with that kind of inside, you know, I, I, I want to call it insider trading or, or inside information, but he's got a knowledge of the whole healthcare abyss <laughs> that I don't have. And yep. so he's, he's 
my concierge, even though I'm not a wealthy person and it's not typical what typical people call concierge medicine. But to me, it feels like it because I feel like I'm a celebrity. I call a doctor and he's calling back in 30 seconds. So um, I'm, I'm even embarrassed that it took me that long to ascribe to the premise, the, the fundamental idea that cheaper and better uh, is still as good as the, the comfort zone I used to be in. And trust me, saving $700 a month and being able to allocate that to other priorities within our family, I will never go back to that. You could cover that ankle brace, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, 15 bucks. <laughs> I don't need an insurance policy to pay for something that only costs $15. So, and I think that's another thing that is, is sort of plaguing other health Rosetta advisors like me, where maybe in their communities, they've been labeled as the disruptors or the, you know, those are the, the crazy people that are going around, um, you know, putting out these weird ideas in the community, but it's not that we're trying to eliminate insurance companies. It's just that we're trying to get people to understand that for 85% of the healthcare needs they have, they don't need an insurance policy to pay for it. Well, it's like Jake Hampton says, um, he doesn't have problem with insurance companies as long as they're in the insurance business. <laughs> but what they're doing now is not. Um, so. I think all of the folks who call themselves insurance companies now, uh, if they went away, we'd all be better off. But, uh, you know, get back in the insurance business uh, and actually uh, carry risk and not just collect tolls like trolls do, people going over their bridge, um, and then we're all better off. Sure. You know, I think I've seen you post or put out there in some capacity that you're a lover of that movie, The Big Short. Oh, yeah. um, that's one of my favorite movies. I wish we could have a watch party uh, um, with you know like-minded people across the country because there are so many parallels between what happened in the financial crisis and I think what's happening in the current healthcare crisis. Yeah, my favorite and scene is favorite scene is when they go to see. Uh, the person at the rating agency, and she says, "Well, if if I cut them off, or, or you know, delist them or decrease their rating, they'll just go down the street and buy the rating from someone else." Right. And you know, unfortunately, that's the way a lot of quality measurement uh, works in medical care. People see see you know these five stars and you know four stethoscopes or you know however they rate them and a lot of that is pay to play right they don't realize it means nothing nothing and i'm i'm saddened at the number of employers who think that they can't live without it i know it well i want to end our conversation with um a question that i ask of people that i admire a lot and i think have accomplished great things and it's, it's basically, what's a day in the life uh, of someone like you? So Dr. Keith Smith, what is a day in the, in the life of someone who 
gets up and has to accomplish what you have to accomplish every day? Well, I'll start by answering that I wish I had more routine. Uh, I wish that I wish my days were more alike than different, uh, but they they are very different. Um, a typical day, uh, I get up uh, very early um, and go to the surgery center and um, have anesthesia duties there. I still practice anesthesia, and uh, my full, my partners are very understanding in their knowledge that if I'm, if I'm working in my office, uh, in all likelihood, I'm facilitating the, the travel or the upcoming surgery for patients that stream into our facility. So most days I'll go in very early and then do my administrative stuff um, once my anesthesia duties are complete and my anesthesia partners take over. Um, almost the entire day, and I didn't know this, uh, I had no clue. When I was in medical school or residency, almost the entire day I'm writing, I'm corresponding, either uh, with a patient in need, um, a, a broker or consultant who has been red-pilled like you, and they now want to change their ways, change their life, do things differently. Uh, the administrator of a health plan uh, directly with an employer. Um, I, I just correspond all day. It just seems like it never ends. Um, and I try to get caught up on, you know, by the end of the day with everyone, uh, but, you know, the more time goes by, the, the more difficult it is for me to just keep up with all of the correspondence. And the Free Market Medical Association has always has something for Jay and I to do in the middle of the day, as much time as we can devote to it. And I, I, I slug it out until, you know, five or six o'clock at night, and it just goes and goes and goes. And um, Sometimes in the middle of that day, there are conversations with equipment reps um, about various issues at the surgery center uh, or personnel issues at the surgery center. Sure. Um, so the it's, too. Now, there, I wear a lot of hats. Uh, and then the other hat that I wear um, is the clearinghouse I mentioned, Atlas Billing Company. And Atlas, Atlas is buying maternity care from local hospitals for the benefit of self-funded employers with whom we're contracted, just to give you an example. So Atlas Billing Company is a very, very busy, thriving um, sort of enterprise that, that I run with, with one employee. <laughs> so I, I wear a lot of hats and I never know which hat I'm going to have on at any time all day long. And it makes me tired, but I wonder sometimes if it's keeping me younger than I'd otherwise be. Sure. Uh, yeah, and then I, I get home and I try to turn it off. Uh, my wife has been has been a, a good teacher of about boundaries and you know how to not allow all that's going on to completely consume me. I think it would have otherwise if it weren't for her. <laughs> um, I I still will do business dinners occasionally, but I, I, that got carried away in the beginning part of this movement. And now I, 
I come home for dinner and I, you know, typically, not always, but I, I typically avoid business dinners just so that I can get home. Mm-hmm. Um, many nights, sometimes uh, several nights during the week, I wouldn't get home until nine or 10 o'clock, you know, after having a business dinner. And all these dinners were very important uh, and brought us self-funded clients. And, but you know, you, again, you have to have boundaries. I mean, you have to have a life. And then all during that part, I try to squeeze in uh, reading um, because there's still so much that I hope to read before I can't read anymore. Right. Um, there's so many books uh, and articles that are on my on my list of to-dos. Um, and I love to read, always have. Um, and I, I, still am astonished at what I come across that hits me as new uh, and changes the lens through which I see the world. So it, it's a busy day for me. It just my I never know what hat I'm going to have on minute to minute. Uh, and maybe routine is, is something I should not long for, but I, I look forward to every single day that I get up and, and go to work. You obviously have a really supportive uh, family and team around you at home and at work. And I know you're very thankful for that. Well, I'm very thankful for you. I appreciate you spending this amount of time out of your very busy day with with me and the folks who listen to my podcast. So, you know, uh, someday in the future, let's record the sequel and and let's talk about how much more growth this movement has seen and, uh, and how, how it has helped communities thrive uh, because of the influence it's had on um, leaving the status quo for something that's cheaper and better, which is like you have pointed out, it's hard to argue against that. It is, I look forward to our next episode. Thank you, Dr. Smith, I appreciate it. Have a good day. You too, bye-bye. Thank you for joining our important discussion as we attempt to hashtag Let's Fix Healthcare. Please subscribe to our podcast and let us know what you think. For more information on the work we do at Custom Benefit Solutions, visit our website at www.custombenefits.work.